0: for the opportunity to hear your word. The Bible says that the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. We are praying that today, even as your word comes to us, you would bring us understanding and that you shed light onto our path, that you would direct the course of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Okay. So today I have the privilege of sharing the word of God with you all. Um The topic I was given is God's word as law. And I'm going to do my best as much as possible to explain it to you in a very simple way for all of us to understand so that we can put the word into practice. Amen. It's my prayer that at the end of this service we will be able to hold on to God's word, that our attitude towards God's word will change, that we will be able to Make time to study the word of God because there are times that even though we have the word of God, we have our Bibles which contains the word of God, there are times that we do not really, really actually study it like we should. So we are not able to get the power that is available to us if we study the word. We are not able to see it made manifest in our lives. It's my prayer that at the end of the service, each and every one of us, including myself, because there are times that, even for me, I've read the Bible just as a matter of duty because um, as Christians, we are told that we are supposed to have a quiet time, we are supposed to spend time reading the Word. I have a Bible at home, I have one in my office, but I can bet you that they have, I've gone days without reading any one of them. And I'm very sure that there are a number of us here who can testify that they've had such experiences because we are rushing we are trying to do things on our own we are trying to go to work we are trying to go to school and then because of these things we do not make time to study the word of God as we should so it's my prayer that at the end of this service you have the desire to to, to spend time studying the word of God for yourself to search the scriptures so that God himself will reveal himself to you. That all you know about the word of God will not be what someone stands in front of you to tell you. But then you yourself would get a revelation of God's word even as you you study the word of God. Amen. That in the same way that you spend time studying your test books in order to pass your exams, you will spend time studying the word of God. Amen. So like I said, the title of our message today is God's word as law. Okay, I'm going to try as much as possible to explain it in a very simple way. Um, I'm supposed to share with you what God's word means from a legal perspective. Okay, one thing we need to understand is that there is nothing that exists in this world that doesn't take inspiration from God. Now, human legal systems, right, take inspiration from what already exists, what God has already instituted from the very beginning. So, we are going to understand how, how, what God's law says, right, from this earthly legal perspective. Amen. So, when we talk about law, when we talk about law, what we mean is that a system of rules, which a particular country or community recognizes as regulating the actions of its members. So, when we talk about law, what we mean is a system of rules Okay, that govern a particular community or a particular country. So Ghana has its own laws. Ghana has laws regulating who can be a citizen. Ghana has laws regulating marriage, for instance. Ghana has laws regulating um, what's a person, the kind of contract a person can enter into or not. And I believe that in your schools you have laws also, right? You have laws that your parents make for you even within the family setting there are some families whereby you are told that you cannot stay up um past 10 pm it's a law within the family right there are schools that you have laws concerning who should clean this place who should um, clean that other place and all of that so every community has laws and laws are meant to regulate the conduct of the members of each community and laws are also meant to regulate them conduct and govern the conduct of members of each country. So laws are very essential. Laws are very, very essential. Now another point that we should all note is that even though there are some laws that are very universal so for instance, there are certain laws that cut across every jurisdiction or every country of the world. For instance, there are certain laws that um, every country puts into practice. Okay? All over the world I don't know of any country where murder is not illegal, right? All over the world, the right to life is so much prioritized that if you take the life of someone without justification, you should be um, punished for it. So all over the world, murder is illegal. Now, there are certain laws that are very specific, depending on the country that you are coming from, okay? There are certain countries where prostitution, for instance, is legal there are countries where homosexuality is legal. So you've heard so much talk about LGBTQ plus and all of that because some countries have legalized it and then there's also an attempt for countries who have not legalized it to also legalize it. In this country, it's not legal and I pray it never becomes legal. Yes. So every country has its own laws that are different from what other countries also practice apart from all countries having universal laws. There are some homes where, like I said, you you have laws that say that you cannot s- stay up past maybe 9 p.m. But there are some homes that you have the liberty to stay up for as long as you want. Right? Because the laws differ from country to country. Amen. Now, when we become Christians, remember I said that there's nothing... Right in the physical realm that doesn't take inspiration from God when we become Christians we are born into a community we become part of a nation so when you read the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 Paul states that when we become born again and we accept the lordship of Christ over our lives we are no longer strangers but we are citizens with other saints and that we belong to the household of God now the scripture is on the screen. It says that we belong to the household of God. And this is also emphasized in the um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, which describes Christians as citizens of heaven. Okay. And when you read the book of Hebrews 12:23, it says that, and I like the way the Amplified Version puts it. It says that by we are citizens of the state which is in heaven. Okay. So, when we become born again, you voluntarily choose to become born again. God's love beckons to you, and then you become born again. You decide to follow Jesus. You surrender your life to Jesus. Once you do that, you become a member of a new nation. You become a citizen of heaven, as God, um, the word has stated, okay? So, once you become a citizen of heaven... There are laws within this kingdom that will also apply to you. When you read the book of 1 Peter 2, verses 9, it says that for we are a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right. So, once you become born again, you, are, you belong to a new nation. Even though you are by birth a Ghanaian or by birth an Awe or by Beth and Ashanti and all of that. You now belong to a new nation. You now belong to God's household. You now become a member of God's people such that there are certain laws that would apply to you. Amen. Now, like I said, the laws in every country is very important. If we we look at the way in the natural realm laws take effect, we realize that even though maybe a king makes a law, right, or a ruler makes a law, every single person is bound by that law. If, for instance, President Akufuadu, for instance, kills someone today, it's not going to be said that because he's a president, he shouldn't be punished for it. The law will apply to him equally as he applies to everyone because it is the law. It is the law. Now, in the same way, in God's kingdom, the law applies to him himself. So when you read the book of Psalm 138, the verse 2b, it says that God has exalted his word above himself. God has exalted his word above himself. So what this means is that God himself is subject to his word. And this is so important to understand because it will really shape how you, you see life. It will give you confidence in knowing that whatever it is that you come before God in prayer, because he himself is bound by his word, he will perform it. Because God himself is bound by what he has said in his word, he will perform that which he has written. Because even in human institutions, legislators, presidents, kings, all of them, they are bound by their word. They are bound by their word. So even if a king or a legislator doesn't like a law he or she has made, he or she is still bound by the by the law and by the word that he has he or she has declared. So you realize that in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, when Kendarius made a decree that Daniel should be thrown into the lion's den. And I want us to read the scripture. We'll read from verse. Um, 10 to 16 from verse 10 to 16 now the verse 10 says that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem he got down on, upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave t- thanks before his God as he had previously said now, let me give you a background before I continue reading the, the, the scripture. Um, now, there were certain officials within the kingdom that were jealous of Daniel, right? So, they decided to go, d- they deceived the king to pass a decree that they knew Daniel was going to fall short of. So, they went to tell the king that for the next 30 days, may pass a decree, pass a law that whoever doesn't worship you should be thrown into a lion's den. Okay, so that's the background to the story. But Daniel, regardless, knowing what the the, the law that the king had passed, went ahead and still worshiped his God anyway. Okay, so after he had done that, then this man came thrown in by agreements and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Verse 12. Then they came near and said before the king concerning his prohibitory decree, Have you not signed an edict that any man who shall make a petition to any god or man within thirty days except of you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians which cannot be changed or repealed. Then they said, Then they said before the king that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah does not regard or pay any attention to you O king or to the decree that you have signed but makes this petition three times a day. Then the king when he heard these words was much distressed over what he had done because the king really loved Daniel and set his mind on Daniel to deliver him and he labored until the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came thrown in by agreement to the king and said, Know, O king, that it is a law of the needs and passions that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed or repealed. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the, the, den, of, into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you are serving continually deliver you. Now, because a king is bound by his word, naturally, he had to perform what he had already said, even though he didn't like the fact that Daniel was going to fall a victim to what he had said. It is the same way in the kingdom of God, that God is, because God is bound by his word, he will see to the performance of that word, regardless of anything. And that is why when you come before God in prayer, you should come based on um, you should come on the basis of the law okay you should come on the basis of what god has written in his word and that is why scriptureless prayer can be very meaningless if you are coming to god and you're asking for something or you are you are making declarations over your life it has to be based on scripture because that is how the kingdom of god works even the kingdom of man that is how it works okay So we know that auntie Dolphina is a lawyer right and and for lawyers if you are going to court you have to arm yourself with the law it is not enough for you to go to court and tell the judge that my client is entitled to a b c d it doesn't work that way or maybe your client has been accused of something it's not enough to go and tell the judge that my client is is not guilty you'll be asked on what basis on what basis So you have to arm yourself with the law and then you can go before the judge and tell the judge that because of A, B, C, D, my client should be entitled to this or that. It is the same way that when you come before God, you need to know the word for yourself. And that is why it is not enough for you to just go to God and go and tell God that I want A, I want B, I want C without really basing what you desire on scripture except when you are praying in tongues because tongues is a heavenly language, okay? And we don't really understand what we are saying. But if you are going to be praying in your understanding, you have to base it on scripture. You have to have evidence. You have to have the word to back whatever that you are requesting for. Okay? So I want us all to understand that anytime you are de- making a declaration over your life, or anytime you are saying a prayer, you must connect every prayer request with a scripture that gives you a guarantee that whatever it is that you are asking for, you will receive. You should connect every prayer request with a scripture that gives you a guarantee that whatever it is that you are requesting for, you will receive. Because you have to understand that God is bound by his word, like we have said in Psalm 138, God is bound by his word and he will see to the performance of his word. Amen. It's important to know that if you do not know how to engage scripture, you will live a very frustrated life. There are times that um, we, we, we go through life and there are so many things going on wrong in our lives and we wonder, uh, we, we cannot even pause and spend time in scripture and understand what is god's word concerning this situation because the bible said all scripture is god breath right and it's useful f- it's useful for instruction in godly living god's word is there to shed light onto our path, to direct us to give us the wisdom that we need concerning every situation in this world god's word is available for us concerning our academics concerning our family lives Concerning every single thing that is of concern to you, there's a word of God in the Bible that is supposed to guide you and inspire you and tell you what to do concerning every situation. So if you are not able to spend time in the word of God, you will live a very frustrated life. Now, God, sometimes you come to God crying uh, with all sorts of emotions and all of that. God is a very compassionate God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So he can be moved to compassion because of our tears and all of that. But if, if that is what all your prayer life is about, just telling God, oh God, I need this. Oh God, I want that. Um, God, can't you see what is going on in my life? Those things do not really make a difference. If you want a sure guarantee, right, of results in your life, go back to the scriptures. Give God back his word. Tell him that this is what you have said in this word. That is how it is done. Even in the natural realm, if Antidofina goes to stand in front of a judge right now, he would just tell the judge. She would tell the judge, "This is what the law is," and the judge has no option but then to implement that law. Please, are you following? The judge who has no option than to implement the law because that is the law. That is the law at force. It is the same way when you give God back his word, he has no option than to implement it because the Bible says that what? He is bound by his word. He has set his word even above himself. There's nothing else above God except his word. And that is why studying the word of God is so, so important. Knowing the word of God for yourself is so, so important. Practicalizing the word of God is so, so important. It is the only way you begin to see results in your life. Amen. So, I'm going to give you some few scenarios, like very basic examples for you to understand how you can put the word of God into practice. So, for instance, you are in school and you are not doing well. You, you've tried everything, right? But you are not doing well. You, you do not even know how to study. You don't know how to go about it. If you search the scriptures, you find out the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 13 that God will make you the head and not the tail. So you are in the class and you are always last in class. As a child of God, what do you do? You give God back his word. It's not enough to just in prayer say, oh God, I'm always last in class. Um, um, Just lament and all of that. It's not enough to just lament to God. You have to learn to give God back his word. So you tell God, this is how you come to God. On, the, uh, on that basis, on the basis of the word, and say that according to your word in this scripture, you said that I will be the head and not the tail. I'm finding it difficult in school, right, to do well. So you give God back his word. You've said that I'll be the head and not the tail. But then I'm struggling. I'm always at the bottom of the class. Perform your word in my life. And you see the results being made manifest. You see God directing you, you see, because you have given him back his word, and his words bound by his word. And he's going to see to it that it's performed. If you have you have a family member who is not feeling well, or you yourself, you have a, an ailment in your body. What the word of God says in Isaiah chapter 53 talks about the fact that um, we are healed by God's tribes and all of that. So you just learn to give God back his word. And tell him that according to this word, according to what you have said in your word, I am claiming my healing. Amen. So if you do not search the scriptures, you wouldn't know what God says about various aspects of your life. And you pray very meaningless prayers. And you will not get results. Now, Praying based on scripture, okay, and even declaring the word of God is so, so important that I cannot really overemphasize it because God will do for you what he has said in his word, not necessarily what you want. We all know that, right? Because we've been talking about the will of God for some time now. God will do for you what he has said in scripture, not what you want. He will only do for you what you want if it is in line with what he has said in scripture. Okay, so when you read the book of Genesis 21 from verse 1 to 2. Genesis 21 from verse 1 to 2. We know that Sarah and Abraham for a long time were childless. Okay, but when you read the scripture, it says that the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for her as he had promised. For Sarah became pregnant and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time God had told him. Now, it wasn't enough for Abraham and Sarah to want a child. They've wanted a child for a very long time. But once God has said that they were going to have a child, he was duty-bound to ensure that it comes to pass. It is not enough to want certain things. Go back to the scripture and connect whatever it is that you want to see in your life the spiritual improvements you want to see in your life, the material blessings you want to see in your life, look for a scripture that supports it. That will serve as a guarantee that you would receive that. And then you see it being made manifest in your life. Amen. So, you realize that even for the Israelites, as much as they were very disobedient to God, when you read the scriptures, and I hope you were doing the Bible challenge because if you were doing this, you should have finished the first five books by now, right? Now, if you read the scriptures, you find out that the Israelites were very disobedient to God. They kept on grumbling. They kept on complaining. It was like they didn't know who God was. They didn't know, they didn't recognize, they didn't acknowledge the deliverance God had brought to them and these things made God very upset right? but he couldn't destroy them In as much as all these things they were doing were making him very upset he couldn't destroy them you know why because he had already said over their lives that he was going to bless them so when you read the book of Exodus chapter 32 from verse 9 to 14 and I want us to open our Bibles to Exodus 32 from verse 9 to 14 Exodus 32 from verse 9 to 14 Now read it says and the Lord said to Moses I have seen this people and behold it is a stiff necked people now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and that I may destroy them but I'll make of you a great nation but Moses besought the Lord his God and said Lord why does your wrath blaze hot against your people whom you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say, for evil he brought them forth, to slay them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn your face, turn from your fierce wrath, and change your mind concerning this evil against your people. Endlessly remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and all this land that I have spoken of will I give to your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord turned away from the evil which he had thought to do to to his people. I, I want us to focus on the verse 13. You see how Moses went before God. He went before God as an advocate giving him back his own word. Because God had promised that he was going to bring them towards a promised land. He was going to bless them. He made promises to Abraham that he would multiply his seed and that his seed would be as many as the stars in the heavens. God had already set his word in motion and this is the same way that God sets his word in motion over your life. Once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord over your life, there are so many things that have been set in motion. There are so many words of God that has been set in motion over your life your salvation is a whole package that once you accept Christ you are not only saved from your sins but then you have a guarantee you are justified, you are healed you are blessed there are certain words that have been said, spoken over your life just by virtue of the fact that you are a child of God and if you do not know the word of God for yourself you will not be able to act like Moses did when things are going wrong, when and we are human, so there are certain t- times that we we go astray. But then you need to learn to give God back his word. The Bible says that as far as the heavens is from the earth, so far has he removed his sins from us. God is a just God, but he's also very compassionate. So when even things are going on wrong in your life, you need to learn to give God back his word. God was bound by his word. So the Bible says in the verse 14 that he turned away from what he was going to do because he is bound by what he has said to his people. He is bound to perform what he has said to Abraham. And today we still see the manifestation of the word that he declared to Abraham being made manifest. The Bible says that we are all seed of what? Abraham. All of us. Every single one of us. So the word that God spoke is still in motion today he cannot reverse it. So even though the Israelites were being so disobedient to God, he could not totally destroy them. When God destroyed the whole world with a flood in Noah's time, he made a promise. He said that he, never again will he do that. Never again will he destroy the whole world with a flood. And you, you, it's because it's written... Let no man ever deceive you. It will never happen again. Because God has said it. He is bound by his word. He is bound by his word. And if human institutions can ensure that whatever it says has been declared, that has been declared in the word, will not be reversed. How much more God? How much more God? Who is not a man that should lie? Or a man that should repent or change his mind. So you need to understand these things. And these are the things that give you confidence in prayer. These are the things that give you confidence even in in your journey of life. Knowing that because God has said something, no matter how long it tarries, it will surely come to pass. No matter how long, whatever it is that you are waiting on God for does not appear it will definitely come to pass because once you have your faith and your confidence in the word and you know that you need to even know the word in the first place to have faith and confidence in the word if you do not know it how do you have faith in it so this should teach us how to search scripture when we open our bibles to read it shouldn't be a meaningless venture It shouldn't be just another time of just reading the word of God because maybe if you come to church, the facilitators will ask you, have you read your Bible? Have you prayed and all of that? Or maybe your friends will ask you, have you read the Bible? And have you prayed? Know the word of God for yourself because it is useful for yourself. And if you really care about yourself, I remember last week, Uncle Bijou was asking how many of us want to prosper in life. All of us had our hands up. But then there are certain things that the word of God has said that you need to do in order to prosper. It says that you should meditate on the word of God, what day and night. And meditation is not just about reading the Bible. You need to think on the word. And that is what, how it becomes a part of you. That is how you imbibe the word. You should all have certain scriptures that are always on our minds. For me, one of my very favorite scriptures is Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This scripture has helped me in so many things in my life. It even helped me this morning. (laughs) It teaches you not to be anxious. It teaches you not to be worried. It has helped me in every examination I have taken. And it's not because sometimes people tell me that, oh, maybe you are intelligent, you are smart. It's it's not just that. You need to learn how to put the Word of God into practice. What does the Word of God say, say about your academics, for instance? You need to learn it, you need to find Scripture. Some of you claim you are shy, but the Bible says you've not been given the spirit of timidity. It's, it might be true because for me, for instance, I am—I can be naturally shy and all of that. Yes, I am. But then, you need to know the scripture for yourself and know what God has said in his word, that you've not been given the spirit of timidity. And you keep declaring that word over your life so you, you, you attain the boldness that's the word of God has promised you. It sounds very simple, but it's powerful. Know the word of God for yourself. Confess it over your life. Declare it over your life. Go to God in prayer. give his word back to him. And see him perform what he has said in his word. Now the Bible in Hebrews chapter 13 from verse 5 to 6. Says that. Please can I have the scripture? Hebrews 13 from verse 5. To six, I'll read the latter part. It says that I will not, and I like the amplified amplified version very much. It says that I will not, I will not, it says it three times, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Right, and then the verse 6 says that so that you may boldly say, right? So that you may take comfort and encourage and, and be encouraged and confident. That the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? It is because God has said in His word that He will never leave you nor forsake you. That is why you can have confidence that He is your helper. Because God has declared it in His word. So, on the basis of that word, you can be assured of God's protection wherever you you go, wherever you find yourself. You can be assured that God will keep you. So if you are praying to God for protection, it's not enough to just say, oh God, can you please protect my mother and my father? It's not a powerful prayer. Give God his word. Tell God that in your prayer time, tell him that you have said in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, from verse 5 to 6, that you will never leave me or forsake me. So on that basis, I've come to you in prayer, asking that you protect my family. And that's why I said from the very beginning that if you are praying without scripture, if you are praying not on the basis of scripture, it can be very meaningless. Amen. Now, in human systems, even though we have a general term called law, there are various forms of other laws that all come together to, to be classified as laws. And like I said, there's nothing in this world that doesn't take inspiration from God. So it's the same way in God's kingdom. There are various forms of laws. And I believe Uncle Bijou asked us to read the Psalm um, 119. When you read Psalm 119, you see the various types of laws being recounted in that psalm. So I'm going to share a few with us. We are going to talk about some of them. And then that should teach us what to look out for when we open our Bibles to read. So that it's not another meaningless venture. It's not another time of just reading the word of God like a storybook. That when you open your Bible, you know what to look out for. You know what each of the terms mean and how you can put them into practice for for, your, for it to be beneficial to your life. So I'm going to talk about the various forms in which laws come. When we, look at, um, when we look into scripture. So one, commandments. 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 So when you open your Bible to read, you should understand that you will find commandments. You will find commandments. Commandments are part of God's divine laws. They are part of God's divine law. So we all know about the Ten Commandments, right? When you read the book of Exodus chapter 20, it states that you shall not kill, you shall, uh, um, you shall have no other God but me, you shall not covet your, your neighbor's property, and all of that. Okay? Now these commandments teach us how to order our lives. When you read the New Testament, the book of John chapter 13, the, um, Jesus says that a new commandment I have given to you that um, you love one another. And he also says that all these commandments that were given in the time of Moses can be summed up into two. That you should love the Lord God and love your neighbor. Because if you love your neighbor, you won't kill your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will not bear false witness. If you love your neighbor, you will not convert your neighbor's property. If you love God, right, you will not use his name in vain. So all the commandments are bound in just one word, love. 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 So the word of God contains commandments. If you read the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 12, it talks about obeying your parents in the Lord. And this this, this um, commandment is emphasized in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 2 and 3. Ephesians chapter 6 from 2 and 3 says that, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you, And that you may live long on earth. It's a commandment in the Bible. Sometimes we hear that people live for 1900 years and we think that, oh, maybe it's because they are eating healthy, they are exercising. There are people who have died through exercise. There are people who have choked on food and died. Maybe the person was just obedient. Honoring their mother and father throughout their lifetime the word of God would be put into effect because God has said it. So if you want to live long, you know what the word of God has said. Honor your mother and your father. Some of us can be very disrespectful at home and you want to live long. God has commanded in his word that if you live if you honor your mother and your father, you'll live long. It's a commandment with a promise. And we'll be looking at promises too very soon because they also, come, they also form part of God's, God's word. So if you read the book of Psalm 119 verse 21, it says God will rebuke those who wander away from his commandments. God will rebuke those who wander away from his commandments. And that's why when the Israelites were disobeying God's commandment, he was very upset with them and that's why we are also commanded in this time to love our neighbors and to love God Amen. Amen Two When you search scriptures you will find principles Principles So I found a very useful definition of principles It so says a principle is a basic rule that explains or controls how something happens or works a principle is a basic rule that explains or controls how something happens or works. Now, that, another definition I found is um, a principle is a fundamental law or truth from which other truths or theories can be derived. So, it's a fundamental law. It's very basic. It's very basic. So, when we read the Word of God, you will find principles you'll find principles. And the principles control or explain how certain things happen. And principles will work whether you're a Christian or not because it's a principle. When God gives commandment, he gives commandments to his people, right? But principles, so long as we live, there'll be the principle of sowing and reaping. There's also the principle of giving. The Bible says that In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, right? It says that given, it shall be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over would be given unto you. It's a biblical principle. And it's different from the principle that people believe in in the world. In the world system, if you save more for yourself, if you put away more for yourself, that is how you are able to... was amass wealth for yourself. But in God's system, it says you should give. And that is how you receive. And that is why you see that there are certain people who are not Christians. But they are prospering. Because they are putting the principle into practice. They are practicing it. But then, we as Christians... Some of these things, we do not want to put it into practice. As young as you are, some of you are even arguing about giving tithes. And I mean, when I start working, I will never even give thanks. Some of you, you are given money, but in the course of the week, you will spend it on every other thing than saving a portion of it to come and give to God in church. If you are not faithful at this stage, and given in the house of God and even given to your friends. You will not be faithful if you get much more. Now, some of you in school, maybe a friend can ask you for something, but then you wouldn't want to give to the person, even though you have it. I remember when I was in senior high school. Um, There were these times that you know when you're in the boarding school, you take your own food, aside from the food that they will be shared for you in the dining hall and all of and all of that. You have your own provisions, you have your own water and all of that. And I remember so well that sometimes you'll be tested, you go and ask your friend for water. The person will tell you this is my water for the week. I can't give you water. Water. It's not Christ like. It's not Christ-like that you should be in school. You have two pens or two pencils. A friend will ask you for one. And you can't give it to the person. You are saving it for the future. Do you know what the future will bring? It's not Christ-like. Even if you have one pencil or one pen and you are not in need of it immediately, if someone should ask you, you should be able to give it to that person. You know why? Because... The Bible says that in this, our kingdom, the law that applies is that when you give, you receive. And that's what gives you the confidence. Even if you don't receive, I mean, but it's, you will receive it. Some way, somehow, you will, reg- you will get it back. Put it into practice and see. So you realize that there are certain people, they might not have everything, but they don't lack They don't lack anything they need because they are givers. They might not be Christians, but they give. Because they are putting that principle into practice. Amen. And I'm going to share another principle I think is very important with you. And I'm trying to use very basic examples for you to understand. Now, when you read the book of Proverbs... Proverbs chapter 22 and 29. Proverbs 22 and 29. It says, show me a man who is diligent in his ways. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure. Other versions say mean men. Diligence is a principle. Being diligent is a principle. And like I said, it will have... Apply whether you're a Christian or not. And when we say you are diligent, we are saying that you are committed, you are making the consistent effort to ensure that whatever it is that you set your mind to do, you put in the necessary effort that that is needed to ensure that you get the result. Not everything is about grace and favor. Don't let anyone lie to you. When certain things happen in our lives, we give glory to God because he's even the one who gives us the grace and the favor to be diligent and all of that. But then you cannot take away the necessity of your, own, of your own efforts. If you want your prayer life to change, it will not come by all the facilitators here laying hands on you. If you like, you can come after the service. Everyone will come and lay hands on you and pray about your life that you should become more prayerful. And you shout amen. You roll on the floor. You do everything. But it's not going to change. And that's why we all keep, and myself inclusive, that's why we all keep coming back to church. And then we are still saying the same prayers. Oh God, um, transform me, change me, and all of that. It will not happen automatically. You need to be diligent. You need to be diligent because it's a principle. And that's why all over the world, there are people who are non-Christians, but then they are doing very big things. Because whatever they are doing, they are doing it very diligently. Putting in all the necessary efforts, doing all the research, taking time. Some of you sleep too much. Some of you that you've come back from school, you are waking up at 12 p.m. in the afternoon and you want to be a world changer. You want to be a nation builder. You are not diligent and it won't matter that you come to church you see sometimes you, you sit in school with some people you sit in class with some people and you be like ah but this person this person is um doesn't go to church but then you see that the person is doing well right i'm sure you have certain examples like that it's because the person is diligent the person is taking time to study the person is putting in all the effort so the person will get the results by you that you come to church you pray in tongues, tongue speaking Christian and all of that, you come and lead prayers, you are an usher in church and all of that you sing in the choir you are not being diligent with whatever that you set your mind to do you will not get the results you will not get the results principles are there to shape our character they are there to teach us how we should go about our lives So you need to learn how to put principles in practice. And the beauty of it is that once you're a child of God, once you're a believer, once you're a Christian, if you put these principles into practice, trust me, you have such a better advantage than someone who is not a believer by putting these principles into practice. So it has to be a combination of both. I remember in school, they used to tell us, in SHS, they used to tell us that study as hard um, as if it depends on yourself. And pray as hard as if everything depends on God. From today onwards, if you do not have that mentality, you should have that mentality. Study as hard as if it all depends on you. And pray as hard. Study the word of God as hard as if it all depends on God. When you combine the two, you'll be a very powerful youth amen. Number three, when we study scriptures and when we study the law of God, we'll find promises. 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 Promises are part of God's law. When I was talking about the Ten Commandments and we talked about the commandments honor your father and your mother. It came with a promise. Okay, the Bible says this is the first commandment with a promise. Now, I hope you all understand that once um, we become Christians, and throughout the history um, of God dealing with his people, he has dealt with them through covenants. Right? So we have, God had a covenant with Adam. God had a covenant with Abraham. God had a covenant with the Israelites. And now God has a covenant with us through Jesus Christ. So, throughout our lives, we have covenants with God. You as an individual, I'm not talking about, there's that aspect of it where the whole church has a covenant with God. But you as an individual, you need to understand and be conscious of the fact that you are in a covenant with God. And one of the main characteristics of covenants is that they are backed by promises. Covenants are backed by promises. so if you study scripture you find out that every covenant that God had with man with Adam with Abraham he backed it with a promise okay so when God expects of us certain to to adhere to certain commandments he backs us with a promise and it's just like that in the natural realm okay we have contracts if you enter into a contract with someone you promise to give the person A or B and the person promises to give you A or B in return. Okay, so if I enter into a contract with Glory, right? And Glory says that she will give me a Toyota car for 100,000 CDs. Once I pay the 100,000 CDs, Glory is bound to give me that car. Because we are in a contract. We are, we have covenanted. And there's a promise, prom- promises have been exchanged. It is the same way in the kingdom of God. When God covenants with his people, when God gives certain commandments, when God makes certain requirements of us, he backs us with a promise. So unless you know what the promises of God concerning your life are, you are very likely to not be able to receive of God. Because you need to know what the promise is and give it back to God and see so it, and so that he sees the way that it is performed in your life. Amen. God has promised us through scripture all sorts of things. Spiritual blessings, material blessings, protection, good health. They are all promises in the Bible, in the word of God. And they form parts of God's law. If you do not know these promises for yourself, you will not be able to take hold of them. So in Psalm 119 verse 6, like I said, when you read the whole of Psalm 119, you find the various aspects of God's law. It says that then I shall not be put to shame by failing to inherit your promises when I've respected, when I have respect to all your commandments. So there's a condition there. And promises are mostly conditional. So once you have adhered to God's commandments, And once, for instance, you have become born again. Now, you know that salvation is a whole package. Once you become born again, there are certain promises that back that experience. Once you become a child of God, you are promised um, that your sins have been taken away, you are promised good health and all of that. So once you adhere to God's commandments, you should be able to experience the manifestation of his promises over your life. Amen. Number four, testimonies. Testimonies. Testimonies also form part of God's laws. When you read the word of God, you will find testimonies. You will find testimonies. Testimonies are God's confirmation of his promises made to his people. Testimonies are God's confirmation of his promises made to his people. Now, testimony is derived from the word to testify or to bear witness. They confirm God's promises that he has made to his people. So, as a lawyer, sometimes it's not just enough to know what the law has said but there's a different aspect you need to back it with evidence testimony is like evidence you need to back whatever it is that you know about the word of God with evidence and you'll find this evidence in the same word of God it forms part of his laws and we know that God has promised us for instance good health are there testimonies of good health Are are there testimonies in the word of God that confirm that he is interested in giving us good health? There are. If you read scripture, you find Jesus Christ healing people of all sorts of infirmities. Delivering people. These are the things that should give you confidence that when you come before God and you give Him back his word and say that according to your word, you made this promise. Because the devil will fight you. He will ask you, Where's your evidence? He will ask you, Where's your evidence that God will do A, B, C, D in your life? Your evidence is in the law of God. And it comes in the form of testimonies. Because you know in the Word of God that God favored Joseph, for instance, God favored Esther, for instance. It is a testimony. That if you find in the word of God that there is a promise that you'll be favored. Because God had done it in the lives of these people, you can have confidence and know that he would surely perform it in your life. When you read scripture, you find men testifying about the goodness of God. You find the Israelites testifying about the deliverance of God in so many ways. If you want to be confident as a Christian, you need to search the Word of God for testimonies. When you read the book of 1 John, when John talks about the things that he had seen, the things that he had handled, the things that he had heard about, he goes on to say that because of these things, he has come to the realization that God is light and there is no darkness in him. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. So on the basis of this word, you can be assured that God will shed light onto your path. You can be assured that if there is any chaos or any darkness in any aspect of your life, because of the testimony of this word, you can be assured that God will shed light onto that path. There are testimonies of spiritual blessings in the world, in the word of God. There are testimonies of material blessings in the word of God. There are testimonies of deliverance in the word of God. If you search scripture, you will find these testimonies, and they will give you confidence in prayer, they'll give you confidence in your walk in life. When things are coming your way, they'll give you confidence. The Bible says that in this world you will have many tribulations, you have many troubles. But cheer up, you've overcome the world. If you do not know these things for yourself, you will not have the confidence. Any wind that blows, any person that comes to tell you something, you'll be swayed. Because you have not searched the scriptures for yourself. You have not understood that God has confirmed his promises in the lives of so many people in the world that you can rely on as a basis to, re- to receive from him. Amen. Finally, I'll talk about judgment. Judgment. God's word contains judgment. And judgments are an, an, they are an aspect of the law of God. So, like I said, the various laws I have mentioned commandments, principles, promises, testimonies, and judgments you find all of them in Psalm 119. So, when you look at Psalm 119, verse 7, it talks about God's righteous judgments. God's righteous judgments. And the Amplified Version explains it as, explains God's judgments as His decisions against and punishments for particular lines of thought and conduct. His decisions against and punishments for particular lines of thought and conduct. Now, the interesting thing about God is that not only is He a king, but He's also a judge. And in the physical realm, judges also make laws, it's not just legislators. Even though making of laws is the preserve of judges, judges make laws if if they have to decide on cases. So in the process of deciding on certain cases, they make certain laws. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. That he makes certain laws as he decides on cases (laughs) that come before him. So when you study scripture, you find God passing judgment on his people. You find God passing judgment on his people. In the very beginning, we, we see God passing judgment on Adam and Eve. When you read the book of Genesis, chapter 15, chapter 3, sorry. When you read the book of Genesis, chapter 3, from verse 15 to 17. And I read, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will bruise and tread your head underfoot, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. Verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering in pregnancy, and the pangs of childbearing. With spasms of distress, you will bring forth children. Yet your desire and craving will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened and given heed to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you saying you shall not eat of it the ground is under a curse because of you and sorrow and toil shall you eat of the fruits of it all the days of your life amen so from the scripture we see God passing judgment on Adam and Eve so even till date women are suffering the pains of childbirth When you study scripture, we have something called the Hebrew birth and all of that. But at least there are some mothers in the house. You can ask them if any of them went through childbirth, through the natural way, without experiencing even a slight pain. God has said it right from the beginning. He's bound by his word. Women will continue to suffer pains through childbirth. Man will continue to toil. In order to feed himself and his family. Because God has said it. God passed judgment on his people. And his judgments are slow. And he's bound by it. He's bound to perform it. Amen. Now once God passed judgment, it sets another law into motion. God passed judgment on Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. Now, because of our sins, He was judged on the cross on our behalf, so that for us now there will be no condemnation for us why in Christ Jesus. And there is also God's judgment that awaits us in the future. Don't let anyone deceive you. God has said it in His word, that there is heaven and there is hell. God is bound by His word. If you are in doubt, that there'll be a time that God will actually appear again. Christ will appear again. You should know from today that because he has said it in his word, he will perform it. Because there's a judgment that awaits us in the future. Because there's a word that has been stated, stipulated, stipulated, concerning this judgment Amen So today this morning I've sought to very briefly and try my best to explain it in very simple terms for you to understand what the law of God is for you to understand the word of God from a legal perspective because God's word is law And we've looked at the various forms in which these laws come. They come in the form of commandments. They come in the form of testimonies. They come in the form of promises, principles, judgments. They are all forms of God's law. This should inform how you study the word of God. When you pick up your Bible to read, know what you are looking out for. If you see a commandment, you should be able to tell the difference between a commandment and a promise. She be able to tell the difference between a principle and a testimony. So before we bring the service, I just want us to quickly just rise to our feet, and I want us to pray. I really hope that you have learned something today. The purpose of this teaching is to help all of us to know what to look out for when we are studying the word of God now I want you to close your eyes you know the ways in which you have been struggling to study the word of God for yourself I want you to just close your eyes and talk to God talk to God that this word that has come today to teach me about the importance of your word to teach me about the importance of your law. I want to pray that it will not fall on deaf ears, that you can put into practice what you have read today, that no longer will you go to God in prayer without depending on Scripture, that you'll be a powerful Christian, that you put into practice the principles of God. That when you are discouraged, you find comfort and encouragement in his word. That when the devil throws thoughts to, at you and, and tells you things that you are not, never going to make it, you give him back his word. Because when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he gave Satan back his word, the word of God. And that's how he was able to overcome. I want us to just pray on three main things. Psalm 119 verse 18 says I open my eyes that I may see wondrous things in your law. In the next few minutes I just want you to pray and say that Father never again should I read my scripture just like another storybook. Whenever I take my Bible let me know that this is a powerful book and that there are wondrous things in your law. I can see some of you praying, praying. Ask God. Open my eyes so that I will see wondrous things in your law. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. And we've learned something today. Pray on the basis of the scripture. I've given you the scripture. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes, oh God, to see wondrous things in your law. There's a word of God concerning every single thing that you might be worried about. Tell God that open my eyes, open my eyes that I will see when I pick up my Bible to read. Open my eyes so that I'll see the wondrous things in your law in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are opening our eyes. That when we pick up our Bibles to read, you reveal yourself to us. You show us another dimension of yourself open our eyes to your commandments you open our eyes to your promises you open our eyes to the principles you open our eyes to your judgments in the mighty name of jesus open our eyes so that we we'll see we will see the wondrous things in your law we will behold the wondrous things in your law in the mighty name of jesus psalm 119 verse 34 says that give me understanding that i may keep your law give me understanding that i may keep your law you want to pray And say that father according to your word in psalm 119 verse 34 give me understanding when i open my bible to read give me understanding without understanding you cannot keep the law of god you cannot adhere to it give me understanding give me understanding give me understanding give me understanding in the mighty name of jesus (laughs) Ma rapper dekele boshada <laughs> la 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 badoza, ra kele boshi kata la bado sha da, ra toko la bado si kanta, ma da kabado si la bades, ra kalabado boshada la 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 badoza, ra ke ta kabado sha bado anta, ra kata la 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 ra ke bado si kata father god cause your words to give us understanding in the mighty name of jesus may it bring us light may it illuminate our path. may it bring light to any confusion any darkness in our lives in the mighty name of jesus amen finally i want us to pray on the basis of psalm 119 verse 9 psalm 119 verse 9 Scripture says, How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to your word, conforming his life to it. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to your word, conforming his life to it. You want to pray this morning. Finally, we are young people. We are in a world full of chaos. We are in a world that's trying to push all sorts of agendas that are contrary to the principles that exist in the kingdom of God. The Bible has written the method for you to be able to survive this, to be able to keep your way pure. Now, when other people are cheating in school, when other people are stealing, when other people are fornicating, when other people are doing the wrong things, you will know the word of God for yourself. You take heed and keep watch according to this word and conform your life to it. You want to finally pray that, Father, grant me the grace to be able to discipline myself, to be diligent enough to study your word. Grant me the grace to be diligent enough to study your word. Pray. pray. The reason why you should pray is because, you know, some of you think that because your parents are Christians or because you come to church, that is it. No, you need to work out your own salvation. Pray. Pray and the earlier the better. Start now. Pray. You are not too young to know the word of God for yourself. How old was Jesus when he was in the temple teaching the other scribes about the word of God? Pray. Jesus is our standard. Ask God for the grace to know his word so that you can keep your ways pure. Raketele badoshele katala bakazwata, rata kabadoshele lalalalabados ikatala badosa, rata kabadoshele lalalalabadosata, rakata kabadoshele bados ikanala badosa, rekata badoshele lalalalalalas, rakata bakazwata le bados intale bades, ratekele badoshele rata kabadoshele bakados intale Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that has come to us. We pray that you grant us the discipline that we need to study your word, to search scripture, to hold on to your word so that we can get the benefits. We can be prosperous in our ways, even as we meditate and have faith and confidence that because your word has said that you are bound by your word, Whatever you've said concerning us would definitely come to pass. We thank you so much in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What do we say to Auntie Jennifer? What do we say to Auntie Jennifer?